it's the voice of the one and only DJ Scream. Letting you know that you are now in tune to the Casual Flex, where culture meets sports and casuals are welcome. Now here's your host, Philip Dukes. Hey, welcome to the Casual Flex. I'm your host, Philip Dukes. Probably can't see me right now. Things feel a little weird. Halloween. Some real wacky stuff going on right now. But hey. Falcons in first place. <laughs> Falcons in first place. Dion's Falcons. Welcome to the Falcons in first place edition of the Casual Flex. I am your host, Philip Dukes, aka Dukes the Scoop. Catch me on Instagram and Twitter at Dukes the Scoop. Man, so I'm so excited. Why are you so excited, Dukes? Because if you would check this clip out right here. The NFC South is a weaker division than it has been in years. The Falcons can really get to the playoffs this year. That's why. I told you. I said the Falcons were the class of the division, even though the division is down. So guess what? If you take a pig and you have a pig beauty pageant, first place is still first place. If you take the nastiest food in the world and have a cooking competition, first place is still first place. So I don't care how sorry the NFC South is, the Falcons are the best of the worst, and I'm okay with that because you know what? This was a rebuilding year, and we are okay. So if the Falcons can figure out how to get some playoff experience, even in a down year, it's a plus. It is a plus. <laughs> I mean, the way now, first and foremost, let's just talk about the game. Man, even the Falcons going to first place, bro. So I never watched the Falcons without what they call lisinopril. And for those of you who do not know what lisinopril is, that's blood pressure medicine. The cardiac Falcons, the blood pressure Falcons, the anxiety Falcons. You need to pop a Zan, a Xanax before you watch the Falcons. It's bad. The Falcons had the game won. Actually, let's go on back. Nope, let's stay there. <laughs> the Falcons did have the game won. They give up a 62-yard bomb to DJ Moore with 12 seconds left. By the grace of God, it had to be Reverend Baker. This, you know, because I apologized to the churches that were moved, that were bought out by the dome. On behalf of me, I apologized. So I'm feeling that maybe Reverend Baker, like, you know what I'm saying? He was like, you know, I'm going to piece it up. You know what I'm saying? Nephew, he's been doing right. You know what i He tried to do whatever. He, you know, he, he probably nudged guy. Like, man, let them folks go and get in the first place. Because then. DJ Moore takes his helmet off for no reason, gets a penalty, 
makes the extra point a 48-yard field goal, and the guy misses it. Falcons get the ball back in overtime. Mariota throws a wounded duck. Yeah, they said he was getting hit. Throws a duck. Um, C.J. Henderson takes the ball back 50 yards after the interception. Panthers line it up, 32-yard field goal. Dude still shook. Misses again. The Falcons finally win. So the Falcons are in first place by default, and I'm okay with it. Absolutely okay with it. Dukes, why are you okay with that? But like I said, the Falcons are in their second year after being in salary cap hell, right? Now they're on the verge of becoming one of the major spenders in free agency. The Falcons have a system that we're seeing works with maybe one of the least talented top-to-bottom rosters in the NFL. So you don't have that high-level talent. You don't you, you got talent in certain places, but when you look at each position room, what position room would you trade another team with? Like, or would you trade with another team? Like, think about it. Like, what team would say, dang, you know what? I really wish I had the Falcons offensive line. I wish I had their quarterback room. Oh, man, if we just had the Falcons running backs. Well, you know what? If we had the Falcons D-line, no, oh, no, no. What if we had the Falcons linebackers? Yeah, we had, we'd probably win it all. Nope, nope. If we had the Falcons secondary, no team in the NFL is sitting back and saying, you know what? We need the Falcons rooms. Like, you're not saying that. Now, you got certain players. You got a Grady Jarrett, right? You know, AJ Terrell, depending on what team you're on. But you don't have a lot of guys that can go start at the top 10 for one of the top 10 teams in the NFL on the Falcons roster. And I think that even with them, and I'm not saying these guys are NFL players. I'm saying they're not like in that level at this point. But the way these guys play together, they're a really, really scrappy bunch. A lot of guys are on one-year contracts, proven contracts, and they're getting the opportunity to go somewhere else and make money. So what Arthur Smith is doing with the Falcons and he's having growing pains. You know, he, he's a second-year coach, one of the younger coaches in the league, and he's learning, you know. But I think that some of the mistakes that he's made, I'm glad he's making them now. Because next year, when the Falcons do have that ability to spin, when the Falcons do have the free agency money, when the Falcons do have an opportunity to put their guys in position, you get, you get Calvin Ridley back next year. Either he's going to be a uh, – a pretty good receiver, or he's going to be a draft capital when you get rid of him, when you trade him. But either way, you've got more assets coming back. Um, we're not even missing Deion Jones, and he was seen to be, and he was seen as a franchise cornerstone, and he's gone. So I really like where the Falcons are. Uh, the fan base is excited. Atlanta is excited. Did you not see me? <laughs> I ain't not playing, boy. For sure, we are excited. And we need it. And nobody needs it more than a Falcons fan and an Auburn fan. Anybody who's a Falcons fan and an Auburn fan, you needed that win. Because in the years when, like last year, that was a special kind of hell to have the, the, the Auburn Tigers and the Falcons in the down year. 
why you have to watch UGA go win it all? Oh, yeah, that was a tough year. Very tough. So, for all my Falcons and Auburn fans, hey, man, let's we're going to lean on the Falcons this year. We got some – we got a, a young coach, a young roster. We got uh, – Free agents, uh, free agency, uh, spending ability. Got a got that Chizek, as they say. So yeah, man, uh, it, it's an exciting time to be a Falcons fan, and I'm very excited about what the future holds. But we gotta fit. Hey, look, y'all gotta find a DB. Like it's bad when you got DBs that can't. Like, dog, we we need some help in that secondary. I know we banged up right now, but y'all gotta scour the practice squads around the league and get somebody like that 62 yard touchdown was absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. You should have seen my son, man, my son, nine Cam, Cam, dude catching that ball. <laughs> He's the uh, DJ Moore catches the 62 yard to Cam. Look at me. Trash dad. Same old Falcons. He's nine. A couple years ago, I told him, I said, Cam, we're going to have this talk. Now I would never do this. But being where my mental state is from growing up a Falcons fan, if you want to pick another team, you feel free, son. Like, you don't have to pay for my transgressions. You do not have to be in a toxic relationship like I am. You don't have to do that, son. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, he a real one, man. He stayed he's like, nah, dad, you know, we from, we, we from Atlanta, pop. Like, we're going to stay down. So that's what we're doing, man. So when, you get to see the Falcons in first place. Just hearing that. That was something I wasn't expecting to hear for years. I wasn't expecting to hear Falcons in first place for years. So to be in year two of the Arthur Smith era at midseason and the Falcons are in first place in the NFC South, even if it's by default, I am ecstatic and I still think that the Falcons will go to the playoffs you know why Tom Brady Tom the Bucks the Bucks in trouble Tom man go home man look Tom tell her you sorry bro tell her you need one more year I don't even want to see the goat go out like that dog like you know and I you know it's hard for me you know being, you know, that I suffered that 28-3 loss as a Falcons fan. And it wasn't even a 28-3 loss that uh, but the whole 28-3 debacle. Being that I sat through that, I I shouldn't have a soft spot for Tom Brady, but I do. You know why? Because as I've said in previous shows, when home ain't right, your dome ain't right. Right. And you go out, you lose on national TV on a Thursday night game. And, like I said, announced the divorce the next day. Tom ain't there. Tom is not there. Oh, Tom, if you hear me, look, man, this is what you got to do. Tell her you sorry, right? If you already done start talking to some little, little tender, you got to cut her off, bro. She ain't no good for you. She ain't good for you, Tom. She ain't no good for you. I don't know if it's true. I don't even know if it is one. But if it is, Tom, cut off. Got to go home, Tom. Tom, you got to go home. Bro, you've been balling, bro. Don't change the formula, Tom. Don't change the formula. Just tell, you. If she getting on your nerves, man, buy another house. You know what I'm saying? Do something, man. But you, 
You got to keep that family unit together, man, because that's where you got your strength from. Come on, Samson. Don't, don't cut your own hair, Samson. But since you're going to be stubborn, the Falcons going to be in first place. Steve Wilkes, hated to do it to you, Steve. Steve, my man, uh, uh, like, I really like Steve Wilkes. Felt like he got a real, really, really raw deal in uh, Arizona. He drafted uh, Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen wasn't that. And uh, he got one year as a head coach, and that was that. And, uh, you know, it's been hard for him to get back in this position. But, you know, as an interim coach, he knows how to coach and really should have won. Probably should have won that game today. Tough break, dog. But I don't think P.J. Walker and Baker Mayfield are going to be able to do it. And what's that leave you with? Andy Dawson and the Saints. Now, the Saints, first of all, we owe the Saints. The Falcons owe the Saints, first, first and foremost. Falcons owe the Saints. Should have won that game. All right, but it's cool. The Saints shut out the Raiders. A zero. Donut. Nothing. If this was tennis, love. <laughs> love, buddy. <laughs> like, so I don't know. I think, and the Raiders like to do a lot of the same thing as what the Falcons do, which is run their bell cow guy, right? Josh Jacobs, into the ground. They're going to run you, run you, run you, run you, and then throw off of the run. That's what the Falcons like to do. So, uh, man, uh, New Orleans had a hell of a game plan call. Uh, shout out to them. But, nah, they ain't going to do it either. Falcons going to the playoffs, bro, and they're going to win the division. But while we talking about the worst division, bro, what about the best division in the NFL this year? The NFC East. The NFC East is, they got it all, bro. The NFC East has the top dog. They got the mid-tier. And the worst team in the league is 500 in the league where it's only like a dozen teams over 500. The Washington beat. Uh, and better watch out for them Redskins. Why I say that? Man, Heineke is a sneaky little dude. Man, he's a sneaky type quarterback. Like, he'll mess around and win them games that he's not supposed to. He'll mess around and just a scrappy. We, oh, you don't. Remember how Doug Flutie used to win those games back in the day? Like you wouldn't be like, yeah, it ain't the fact, it ain't the stature that's the same. But Heineken got some of that A in him, man. You know Heineken from around the way, man. You know he's from the A, so you know he got some of that A in him, man. It's gonna be a fight. They say every time Heineken uh win a game and get his bonus, he going to buy some George, he, he going to buy some Jays in the colors of the team that he beat that got him the, that, that, that got him the bonus. The boys flagged out, man. So if that's the worst team, the, the Redskins would be the best team in the NFC South. Then you go from there, go to the Giants, the resurgent Giants, the Giants that are reshuffling their roster, sending people out of there who aren't buying in, giving the ball to who's probably been the best running back in football when it comes to being a true three-down back as far as catching the ball as well, and Saquon Barkley, who was a transcendent running back, a generational-type running back when he came out of college and who 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 was who's had his career derailed a little bit by injuries. But where he is now, looking like his old self, you've got 
Weapon X, and Daniel Jones. Who fixed Daniel Jones? Daniel Jones. We all knew J Daniel Jones was fast, but this offense is taking advantage of it. Daniel Jones is toning that pill. I think they lost today, but I st I'm still very impressed with the Giants. Another team that would probably be first place in probably three other divisions in the NFL right now. And then you go to the big dogs, the Cowboys. It pains me to say this. It does. The Cowboys are a pretty good football team, dog. With that right now, um, Tony Pollard told that mail. And then the two, like, Tony Pollard is so good. But, man, Zeke, man, people saying Zeke fell off. Man, Zeke really was run been running hard. He's just hurt right now. But they got two really, really good running backs. Still got C.D. Lamb. Noah Brown, a wide receiver, has been balling. You still got Gallup. Dalton Schultz, when it's time for him, that offense can they, they can hum when they have to. So uh, the Cowboys ain't nothing to play with either. And on defense, they probably got the premier weapon, the premier front seven weapon in the NFL as far as what, what the, the multiplicity that Michael Parsons plays with, whether he's tough against the run, whether he's edge rushing, whether you got him playing in space, whether he's blowing up a screen, a screen whether he's running up the scene like, Probably got one of the top weapons in the NFL on defense in Michael Parsons, along with a secondary, the safety. I can't remember his name right now. I love the safety they have. And uh, the Cowboys are another tough team. But the class of the NFC East and the, the NFL right now, Philadelphia Eagles. They laughed at the boy. They laughed at him. They laughed at him. They laughed at him. Nick Sirianni, his first press conference, they laughed at him. Look it up, man. Look it up. They played with him. The man had something. He knew something. He knew something. And I want to say, shout out to the Eagles for doing something that a lot of teams have been guilty of but haven't been able to have the results that the Eagles and the success that the Eagles are having right now, and that's get rid of a coach who was doing all right. Like, Doug Peterson, like, I mean, yeah, he had that rough year, but he took it to the Super Bowl. Um, A very, very highly regarded coach in the NFL. And for them to rebound from that situation to let him go, and be where they are right now, undefeated. I mean, they really, they don't have a, they should win the next five games. I can't see nobody beating them right now. And they and, and they go and, and, and they know it. And you know how I know they know it? They went and got Robert Quinn. Like, you know what? We ain't got enough. Let's just go ahead. That looks, that, that Robert Quinn pickup looks a lot like the Von Miller to the Rams pick up last year. That's what that looks like to me. And, you know, they say Quinn only has like a sack this year or one and a half or something like that. But now it's different because now you're allowing Quinn to get in one-on-one -on -one situations because you've got Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox right next to him. You've got rotational pieces. You've got guys who can rush the passer. So Robert Quinn, let's say you got, let's say Robert Quinn plays a team with the backup tackle where who's starting a backup left tackle because the you know starter may be injured but because we're getting that part of the season 
in those games like that, where you got to start a rookie, maybe making his second or third start, and you got to put him across from Robert Quinn, a veteran, a strong guy, a manly, a, like one of those grown men strength type guys who still has some explosion in his game, who knows the nuances of how to get to the quarterback, who knows the angle to plant at to take a straight beeline to the quarterback, who can still beat one of these young kids over the head like a kid. Yeah. When you when you factor that in, oh yeah, you already know. Like, so he can get in one of those situations and go off for three to four sacks in the game. He could take a get. You put him in one of those situations, he could take a game over, and it happens all the time. A lot of the times when you see guys in the NFL who have these exorbitant sack totals, a lot of times they beat the hell out of one player, and sometimes they did it twice. I remember uh, when Vic Beasley had 15, 16 sacks, man. For the Falcons, the Super Bowl year, man, he got like out of his 16 sacks, I would say that he probably got nine of them in three games. So out of 16 games, he only got sacks in probably eight games, maybe seven, something like that. I, I'll check that stat, but yeah, I, I I would challenge somebody to go check that stat, but it's true and it happens a lot. So, but even having a guy that can do that, because I don't think the Falcons have a guy that can dominate somebody at that level right now, probably besides Grady Jarrett. I definitely don't have an edge rusher who's ready, ready for that. So by the Eagles picking him up, he probably got the best cornerback tandem in the NFL right now. And uh, Bradbury Slay is playing. D. Slay is playing out of his mind right now. Uh, yeah, man. The Eagles, I think, are the best team in the NFL. And – They'll be the ones. I think they will be the team that I have the uh the 72 Dolphins up late at night. You know what I mean? Mercury Morris them. Feel me? But um, yeah, let's uh change gears from the NFL and let's 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 let's, let's uh check on down to the planes, man. Let's uh let's take a flight to the planes. Let's uh see what's going on in Auburn right now. So the talk is about John Cohen, who is the current athletic director at Mississippi State. So news broke this weekend that John Cohen would be the new AD at Auburn. Why is that significant? Because Auburn is probably where Auburn is having the worst season they've had probably since 2012, and they may end up being worse than that. Like depending on who you ask, it may not be another win in like it may not be another win there on that schedule. I mean, Western Kentucky is supposed to be the game, but Western Kentucky is going to play. Like, they're they're not showing up to get a check. They're coming to beat Auburn. Like, they're going to give them everything they want. Like, so, I mean, you got Mississippi State left, Bama. I mean, yeah, it's rough. It's rough, man. And, uh, you know, right now it's basically like a, a formality of Brian Harson not, no, not being retained as the coach of Auburn. But is it a formality? I don't know. But uh, I think if you hire this guy from Mississippi State, it's a formality. Um, a lot of people are now saying like, oh, well, Mississippi State didn't want him. Like, what? Mississippi State didn't want John Cohen. This is what I'm not understanding. They just gave him a four-year extension, right? Baseball guy. Played under Ryan Polk. Mississippi State – First of all, everybody's so crazy about Butch, the baseball coach at Auburn, but that's his guy. He, he He's a Butch guy. Like, 
when Butch Thompson was interviewing for the Auburn job, John Cohen was going to bat for him, saying that nobody could hire a better coach than that guy. He got on the table and, you know, he, he stood on the table for him. So I don't understand that narrative. Uh, you know, I think I saw somewhere they were saying, like, you know, they didn't like Butch Thompson wasn't going to like it or something like that. I'm like, bro, come on, man. Y'all just, they're just throwing stuff at the wall, see what sticks. The basketball, so this is what I do like about John Corn. These are the points that I like about Corn. If, if Corn's the guy, this is why I think he is the guy. One, when he made a mistake, he didn't wait to correct it. So when he hired, when he hired, uh, Moorhead, as from who was the offensive coordinator at Penn State as the head coach of Mississippi State football. He went eight and he underachieved with three first round de defensive picks. And uh I think he had Willie Gay on that team too, uh who, who who's balling for the Chiefs. So he had a he had an NFL laden, an NFL talent laden defense and didn't do a lot with it. And then year two, it kind of fell apart. And then I think Willie Gay and Garrett Schrader supposed to got into a fight or something. He just kind of lost control of the team. And uh, he didn't wait. He, he, he pulled a plug on that experiment. And when it got Mike Leach, a lot of people probably like, oh, well, he when it got Mike Leach, was that a good hire? I mean, at the end of the day, to bring some stability in there, somebody's going to put up some points. And if you could get Mississippi – I mean, it, it, it was a good hire from Mississippi State. It was a Mississippi State hire. Um, you get your, you get the right players in there. You get somebody who can sling the ball around. You know you're gonna put up points, and you know as long as Mike Leach is there, you're gonna at least gonna be competitive. You know that. All right. So I thought that was a pretty solid hire. But more so, the the point was that he was able to admit a mistake and not just hang on to it for the hell of it. And he moved on and went and got a, a and made a better hire. He learned from his mistakes. And made a better hire. The other thing I like about him is he was very vocal about NIL. And I think that is so important. I think him saying that, you know, understanding how dire the situation is for NIL collectors to be involved in order to raise the money to compete in this arms race that we have now called college football. I think that was so important that he stood up and said, hey, I need your help early on. He made sure, and he was disappointed about it, and he was like, he let people know, y'all need to open up that checkbook if y'all need, if, if you want to be successful. He took a very, very pointed stance towards it, and I, and I thought that was something that probably would be needed at Auburn in order to be successful, somebody who understands the importance of NIL, because that lets me know that you understand the importance of recruiting. You understand that you got to have guys, which leads me to my third point. Chris Jans came from New Mexico State. They had a a, a very, very good run, man, uh, NCAA tournaments. But what I liked about that hire, after he let go of Ben Howland, who, 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 you know, he let Ben Howland go and he hired Jans. Why? Jans is a Juco grinder coach that understands recruiting and players and what it takes to get guys there. Jans recruits basketball. He's in tune for the people that I know that know Chris Jans and have dealt with him, whether it been on the Juco circuit back in the day, or has been in some of his later roles when, uh, as far as like, even if he were to visit uh overtime elite here in Atlanta, they say when the man pulls up, man, 
He's talking to everybody. Uh, he understands the importance of getting players, and he's a he, he's a grinder for a recruiter. In the press conference, the first thing that he said that Cohen said about hiring Chris Jans was he is a recruiter. So understanding the importance of hiring guys that can attract talent. That is another reason why I think that Cohen would be a good hire. And if not for nothing, I just think that um, I don't think Cohen is, I don't think the moment's too big for Cohen. I think Cohen is the type of guy that if he wants to make a splash hire, this is just me saying, this is my opinion. From what I'm seeing, He's going to make a splash hire. He's going to, I feel like he's the guy that would make the hire that some people are maybe, I think that's the best shot. If something were to happen, I think Cohen will give you the best shot of somebody being able to hire Dion. I think, I think he, I think Dion gets an interview with Cohen. I absolutely do. Am I right? Who knows? I'm speculating. This is all speculation because guess what? All of it is. I don't care what nobody say. What you hear on what you see, what you read on the message boards, what you hear on Twitter, what you see on the radio. It's all speculation until the news breaks. It's all speculation. So this is my speculation. And my speculation is that if Auburn had a shot at getting Deion Sanders, this guy probably would be the one who probably would do it, in my opinion. But let's talk about some Auburn football or whatever they do on Saturdays. Man, that's tough, dog. That was tough. And you know what? I want to apologize to Bo Nix. About two weeks ago, I said, I don't think Bo Nix can help this team. Bo Nix can absolutely help this team. Absolutely. And not just Bo Nix. You know who else can help this team? To Sean Manning, who's starting at Kentucky. Now, who else could probably help this team? Lee Hunter on the defensive line, who would probably be a really good rotational piece and a depth piece and probably could start for Auburn right now. Now, who else would probably help this team? Kobe Hudson, who was the leading receiver last year. You know, who else could help this team? Ladarius Tennyson, who's starting at Ole Miss. You know, who else could help this team? Jeremiah Pegues. Who's balling at Ole Miss as well? I mean, the list goes on and on, man. So, I mean, Auburn let a lot of talent go, dog. I mean, let's just say, like, so you sac for the culture, right? You sacrifice a lot of talent. And you know who else can help this team? Landon King. You know who else can help this team? Chick Dawson. I mean, I ain't, I'm not, I, it's hard, dog. I mean, you let a lot of talent. I just named off guys who are starting in a lot of different places and who are doing well. They could probably help Auburn right now. So for what you let go based on culture or based on differences in philosophy or uh, whatever it was where these guys wanted to transfer, where we are in a landscape where you have to recruit Guys who are already here, guys who are already on the roster, you still got to recruit. That's just what it is now. You got to keep your, you got to keep your ballers home. You got to keep them. You got to. So the amount of talent that was allowed to walk 
you can't hold nobody against their will, but you can create a atmosphere where people believe in what's going on. And, you know, seems like there are, I just rolled off a few names. And, you know, when those names got the transfer and it was, oh, man, they can't help nobody. Oh, man, you know, they probably soft anyway. All right, well, they, they softly helping other people win. Yeah, so, um, yeah, man, it, it's, it's tough at Auburn right now. I mean, it's tough to watch, man. I feel really bad for the fans. I feel bad for the staffers on the team. I feel bad for the coaching staff. Some of the coaching staff I really feel I feel for. You know, the the recruiting staffers. Feel feel for them. I mean, sometimes I even feel for Brian Harson. Man, it's tough, man. It's got to be tough to go out there and get your head smacked every week, dog. Arkansas is not supposed to smack us like that, bro. Not supposed to smack them. They did. And don't take nothing away from Arkansas, but uh, yeah, that 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 shouldn't have been that at all. But you know, you live and you learn. Um, let's see if they can put a a good game plan together. I mean, coming off a of bye week, that ain't what you want to see. Um, and so I, I it is I, I really feel for the fans, and it's a tough time at Auburn football right now. But as always, Auburn will always rebound. And a lot of times they say Java is just Auburn being Auburn. Well, one thing about Auburn being Auburn, Auburn always rebounds, always bounce back. As long as I've been affiliated with Auburn University uh, as a student from the first time I stepped on campus and been through some of those times where, you know, it, it wasn't fun. Yeah, I mean, it ain't always been fun. Like, it took time to get to 2004, you know what I mean? It took time to get to 2010. It took time to get to 2017. I mean, uh, 13, 14. And then really the last real shot at it was uh, carry on in them. Uh, 2017. And really, man, Bo Nick's freshman year, for real, for real, when he had Derrick Brown and uh, Marlon Davis in that last year, should have beat Georgia that year. Absolutely should have beat Georgia. And uh, so that was probably the last shot, maybe 2019, that Auburn had it being, you know, just to be considered a top 10 team, which really wasn't that long ago. So there has to be some muscle memory there, and there's definitely a lot of mental memory there from fans because that's why they're so upset with this season. They, I, I, It's upsetting. It should be. Damn it, I'm upset. I'm upset too. I mean, as a fan, yeah, you know, alumni, alumnus. It's not good Auburn football, but you know, Auburn will be back, man. I, and, and, you know, who's to say? And you can't even say that uh, Auburn – man, look, Auburn might do anything. They don't know what Auburn going to do, dog. Man, they might hire Deion Sanders. They might – man, they might hire Gene Chisholm. They might hire Kevin Steele. You don't know. You just don't know. You just don't know, man. You just don't know. But, uh, yeah, man, you know what? I think a lot of people aren't realizing – the World Series is going on right now. And the weirdest thing in the world is there is not one black player in the World Series. Now, you do have a black manager, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to get into all that, but it seems like how does baseball get African Americans back involved in baseball? Uh, how does the MLB get African Americans back involved in baseball? Because I've heard it time and time again, like you got center fielders right now that are playing running back. You got uh, pitchers right now that are, you know, dual threat quarterbacks or quarterbacks period, not even dual threat. Like you got a lot of guys 
who have the talent to play baseball who just aren't playing baseball. So I think my question and my homework for the week is for the week for myself is what would turn baseball back on for the African American community? Like in a, in a, in in America here, like what would make like you know, and you got ball players, right? Like right now, um, Tamar Johnson, top five, top ten pick, um, came out of Mays High School, um, you know, played baseball. He's got a brother, Georgia Tech, that's gonna probably be a draft pick as well. You got uh Marquise, Marquise Grissom Jr. Georgia Tech, uh, who will play pro ball. Like, you know, in the Atlanta area, you got some guys. You got Andrew Jones' son. Yo, so I guess he's technically Kira Sound, but still. You got um, you know, there are some high-level talent here. But I just don't know what it is because right now the popularity football is so popular, and I and 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 really and truly, I think it's just the popularity of football. Um, now with traveling football at such a young age, they're ranking they're ranking six six and up teams nationally. Like man, you want to go to like <laughs> you want to go see everybody in the hood, man. Like pull up to one of them seven and up football games or like where they're really, really, like, into it. You're going to see everybody. A lot of those kids don't play baseball. And I think that uh, that's probably the popularity of football and 7-on-7 in the springtime, you know, uh, and a lot of times kids don't want to miss that opportunity to go play 7-on-7. So if you're playing 7-on-7, then you're not not playing baseball. If you're running track to get faster for football, then you're not playing baseball. So – but y'all would like to see a return. Like baseball was probably my favorite sport growing up. And everybody played, but like when I grew up, everybody played everything. You just had to, like that was just spring. You played baseball, fall you played football, wintertime is basketball, and then you right back. You know and that's just how that's just how it went. But now I just think um, with because it used to be the point about uh, African Americans in baseball. And a lot of times, especially in urban areas, it used to be that you know baseball is an expensive sport. But now, man, it's expensive. Man, football is an expensive sport. Like these kids got multiple, multiple, multiple uniforms. Like they could play baseball, we just don't. And uh, I know just an interesting discussion. And if anybody has anything to say, drop it in the comments and uh, let me know what you think about that. Like, how can baseball return to the inner cities, and how can baseball get, you know, how can baseball become cool again to the culture? Can it? I don't know. Good question. Um. But yeah, and with that being said, uh, I think that's my time. Um, I'm just gonna, you know, probably have me a, a little adult beverage, and I'm gonna enjoy this Falcons winning Sunday. Dukes the scoop. Make sure you like and subscribe. This is the Casual Flex. I am out.